My name is Tom Lowry, and this is the All Is Well podcast, a podcast that tackles life's seemingly worst-case scenarios. On this episode of the All's Well podcast, I will be retelling a story of a military veteran's son who decided to throw a house party after winning a high school football game while his dad and stepmom were out of town. Enjoy. Senior year of high school. My family had just moved to a town just outside of Camden, New Jersey. My father was in the military, so being a military kid, I was pretty used to moving around by now. Usually, making friends was no big deal for me, as I had definitely grown accustomed to it by now. However, my senior year was tough. By this point in high school, everyone had already been in their clique that they had pretty much started since at least sophomore year. I figured that there was only one easy way for me to make friends quickly in this new town and at this new school. Join the football team. I had played football at all the other schools I had been to up until this point and was confident in the fact that I would at least be able to be friends with the guys on my team, and maybe getting to know a few of the cheerleaders wouldn't hurt either. Talent-wise, the team was okay. We won about as many games as we lost, as we weren't exactly state championship contenders by any means, but we also weren't getting pummeled every single Friday night. The season continued on at this right around 500 rate, as we began nearing the end of the season, and about to play our last home game of the season at senior night. The weekend before my senior night, my dad and stepmom went to pick up my sister, who is two years older than I am, from the college she was studying at in Tennessee, and drove her up to New Jersey so she could visit with us for her fall break. It was nice having her around again, as it had been quite some time since I last saw her since my dad, stepmom, and I moved to New Jersey, and she stayed in Tennessee to go to school. One night, my sister and I got to talking about how it was my senior year, and she was curious as to what I planned on doing with myself after I graduated. I had considered college before, and at the time I was sort of leaning in that direction of going to school, instead of enlisting in the military like my father did when he was my age. When I told her about my interest in college, she began to tell me about all her experiences of college and how she was enjoying it. She told me how fun it was to be able to be in classes you wanted to be in, instead of having to take the classes that the school district tells you to take. She told me how fun it was to live in the dorms and to not have any parental supervision. On that same note, she told me all about the house parties that literally happened every weekend and how it was nearly impossible not to be entertained at college while simultaneously earning your degree. Growing up, I had been to a couple small parties here and there. A couple lame birthday parties, and maybe a small house party with a few close friends, where one of those friends might have stolen a half-full bottle of vodka from their parents that we would pass around throughout the night. But even then, I was not much of a partier. I was raised by a strict military father who would not tolerate any sort of misbehaving, and even at times would have me do push-ups so as to punish me when he found it suitable. I definitely believe that this is a big reason why I mostly stayed away from parties and out of trouble as much as I could. It was nice having my sister back, as we shared many more conversations like that throughout the duration of the week. 
I was thrilled that she would be able to watch me play at my senior night game later that Thursday night. Typically, all football games were played on Friday nights, but for some reason this last home game was scheduled for Thursday night. Something to do with a big regional marching band competition happening on my school's football field that started that Friday night and went all weekend long. Regardless, it was a good thing after all, as it was my parents' plan to drive my sister back to Tennessee the following Friday evening. She would be around just long enough to watch the game before she went back to school. It was Wednesday night, and my team and I had just finished up our last practice before the big senior night game. As we were in the locker room getting changed out of our practice jerseys, we started to buzz with excitement about how awesome the game was going to be. Coincidentally enough, our last home game was matched up against the worst team in our region, and winning the game was basically guaranteed. As we started talking about how many touchdowns we were going to win by, one of the wide receivers on the team interrupted and suggested that we needed to do something to celebrate the inevitable future win. He was right. All season long, we never really did anything after our games. A couple guys would maybe get together and go get some food, but other than that, nothing ever really happened. As guys started bouncing ideas off one another, I sat there and thought to myself for a moment. I was still somewhat new to this school, and although I had made a few new friends on the football team, I feared that maybe with the season soon to be over, that these friends that I had made would maybe start to fade away since we weren't playing football anymore. I knew that I had to do something that would instantly make me a legend at this school. Inspired by my sister's stories of college, I spoke up. Let's have a party! I interrupted. Everyone in the locker room looked over at me. A party, huh? I told the guys about how the Friday after the game, my parents would be driving my sister back to college, and how my house would be free for the entire weekend. My teammates started to get pretty excited as we began working out the logistics of how we were going to throw this party. At the end of the conversation, we decided that Friday night it was going to go down. The guys on the football team, and of course maybe a few cheerleaders and girls from the volleyball team would be the only ones invited. It was all coming together nicely. Of course I was a little bit nervous hosting a party, knowing what my dad would do to me if he found out. But I was confident that we could keep this party under control, and I would have more than enough time to clean up the mess before my dad and stepmom return home Monday night. Thursday night finally rolled around, and after the school had honored all the seniors on the football team, myself included, we got to whooping this poor football team from the next town over. It was the most fun I'd ever had playing a football game, as we absolutely dismantled the opponent and beat them by a score of 77-7. It made it all the more special that my sister was able to be there and watch me play in one of my last football games ever. The next day I woke up body still sore from the night before, as I got up and went to school. The school was still buzzing about the big win from the previous night, and at lunch I was talking to a couple of my friends from the team as we were sharing our excitement about the party that was about to go down later that night. They informed me that word was starting to spread quickly around the school that there was going to be a party at my house that night. The news made me both anxious and excited, as I was glad that people were finding out about my party but anxious that there'd be way too many people showing up to it. Regardless, I just accepted it for what it was, as I put a great amount of trust into myself to control the party, no matter what happened or who showed up. 
The day went on, and as the evening rolled around, I began to grow more and more excited about the party. That was until 5 p.m. came around, and my parents and sister had still not left for Tennessee. They were supposed to leave right around 3.30 when my dad got home from work. Most of the guys on the team informed me that they would be coming over to my place at 6 p.m. to pregame before the actual party started at 8 p.m. I began to get really nervous as I watched the clock tick closer and closer to 6 p.m. Finally, at about 5.30 p.m., my sister dropped her bags on the living room floor and hugged me as she and my parents then got in the car and headed back to Tennessee. I watched the car go down the street, and as soon as they were out of sight, I ran back inside and began to get the house ready for the party. First thing I did was located all the valuable and delicate items in the house and locked them away in my dad's room. As I was making my way out of his room, I noticed his new gaming console sitting right next to his TV and figured it would be a good idea to grab it and hook it up to the TV in the living room so the guys could play as they continued to show up for the party. I set up the gaming system to the TV and hooked up my phone to the surround sound and started to play some music. As soon as it hit 6 p.m., with outstanding punctuality, a few of the guys from the football team started to show up. A couple of the guys were somehow able to get their hands on some booze as we began to drink a little bit, do some gaming, and even got into doing some rap battles. My uneasiness of throwing a party really started to fade as I began to enjoy myself and everything that was going on. There was no doubt in my mind anymore that having this party was a great idea. My close friends and I continued to have a good time rapping and playing drinking games. I started to get a nice little buzz going right as 8pm hit and more people started to show up. A couple cheerleaders, as promised, and a few other people I knew from school started to filter into my house. They all said hi to me on their way in, and I had this great feeling of acceptance wash over me. Everything was going smoothly. I was throwing a fun party, people were having a good time, and I was having a good time. I really started to feel like nothing could go wrong at this point. The night continued on, and right around 9.30 is when I got my first reality check. Slightly tipsy at this point, I wandered out of the kitchen to the living room to find the front door wide open and people just pouring into the house. At this point, I assumed there to be maybe 200 people coming in and out of the party. Feeling a bit nervous again, I kind of just had to accept it for what it was yet again. My pride wouldn't let me shut down my own party, as I knew that would instantly make me lame and would undo all the acceptance I had already gained from my teammates and classmates. Besides, nothing was going awry. Nothing had been broken, no one had thrown up all over the new carpet that my dad had just put in, and it was actually a pretty sweet party. A little on edge, but still mostly having a good time, I turned up the music and continued to play some beer pong with some of my friends against a couple of guys I had never met before, trying my best to just enjoy and let the night proceed however it was going to proceed. By the time that I had won the game of beer pong, the party continued to get flooded with more and more people. Friends were telling their friends who were telling their friends, and before I knew it, there were 300, maybe 350 people coming in and out of my house. People I had no idea who they were. People from other high schools, people from a local college campus, 
even people from Philadelphia who were driving out to this party. The house was so packed you could barely even move, as people filled every room in the house, plus the front and backyards. Around 11 o'clock is when I began to get even more nervous. I started walking around the crowded house, just to make sure things weren't getting broken and that things were still in place. I was making my way out of one of the bathrooms when I heard a bunch of yelling and commotion going on in the kitchen. I quickly made my way over there to see what was going on, and when I arrived, I found some guy I'd never met before laying on the floor. One of the guys from my football team was standing over him with his fist clenched as I pulled him aside to ask what had happened. My teammate told me that the guy on the floor was drunk and was talking smack to some of the guys on the football team, eventually to the point where one of the guys just got fed up with it and finally punched him. In an attempt to do as much damage control as I could, I looked at the friend of the guy who was on the floor and told him that him and his drunken friend had to leave. I explained that he was ruining the vibe of my party and was starting to cause issues and that they both had to go. His friend, completely sober, respected my demands and scraped his drunk friend off the floor and removed themselves from the party. I offered to walk them out just to make sure that they wouldn't be causing any further issues as they exited the party. I walked them out to the front lawn and watched them disappear out of sight down the road. I came back into the party, things seemingly back in control by this point. I started to make my rounds again, saying hi to new people and making sure everyone was enjoying themselves, while simultaneously making sure that the house was still intact. Not even 20 minutes later after kicking the drunk dude and his friend out of the party, I started to hear more yelling and chaos coming from the guest room. I dashed from the living room over to the guest room to see what was going on. When I got there, I see this huge guy, easily 6'5", maybe 250 pounds, pick up a chair that was handmade by my stepmom's grandfather. It was a heavy chair, made entirely out of sturdy oak wood. The giant raised the chair above his head and slammed it down on the head of another guy in the room. People screamed in the wake of the violence and began to run out of the house. Come to find out, the guy that just got his head bludgeoned by the chair was the same guy that got punched in the kitchen that I had to kick out earlier. Him and his friends somehow made it back into the party and were continuing to cause problems. Only this time, instead of getting hit by a football player with a fist, he got hit by a giant with a solid wood chair. Everyone in the nearby vicinity continued to freak out and flee from the house as this guy laid unconscious on the floor, blood pouring out of a huge gash in his head. It was at this point where I went into shock. As far as I knew, this guy laying on the floor was dead, and I immediately sobered up from the drinks I had had earlier and just stood there as I didn't know what to do. The giant who wielded the chair and his goons immediately left the party too, and I eventually went out to the front yard to watch people quickly disperse as the party size was quickly cut in half. As I was standing on the lawn, a man approached me as if he were an angel and told me to call the police and tell them that there was a guy bleeding out in my house. He told me that this was a life or death situation and that I needed to act fast. I nodded my head with understanding and asked the man if he would stay with me and help me get things under control. He quickly replied, Nah man, I gotta get out of here. And just like that, he was gone. Till this day, I still don't know if that man that came to me was actually real or not. 
as the whole exchange seemed very brief and in some ways surreal. Regardless, after the exchange was over, I quickly called 911. I got in touch with dispatch and let them know what had happened and told them I needed an ambulance right away. They told me that they would be there soon as I hung up and headed back inside. When I got back inside the house, I again found the drunk guy who got whacked by the chair, being dragged out of the house by the same friend that I had kicked out earlier. I quickly stopped the guy and told him that an ambulance was on the way and that they just needed to sit tight until the medics arrived. The man refused and said that they needed to get out of there and that the ambulance wasn't necessary. I tried my best to stall them so they wouldn't leave before receiving proper help and right before the sober friend was about to throw his bludgeoned friend into the car, the ambulance pulled up and started to assess the damages on the man's head. Instantly upon examining the gash, the medic demanded that the stretcher be brought out of the ambulance as they put the guy on the stretcher, loaded him into the back of the ambulance, and drove off to the hospital. Right after the ambulance hauled the guy away, I was approached by a police officer who began to question me about what had happened that night. I explained to the officer that I was fairly new to town, and while my parents were out of town for the weekend, I threw a party for my football team that ended up getting out of control. The officer asked how old I was, and how long my parents were going to be gone. I told him that I had just turned 18, and that my parents would be home on Monday night. After that, he told me that he was going to have to call in the CSI team to come take some pictures through the house, just to gather some evidence in case this had to turn into a legal case. At this point, my heart sunk as I began to wonder if it was really that serious. I couldn't help but think about what my dad was going to do when he found out. The officer took my ID and told me to stay put on the curb. As I sat there, a black SUV pulled up and a man hopped out of the vehicle with a camera and made his way into the house. I saw the flash of the camera coming through the windows as he began to take pictures and collect evidence. As I was sitting there, my mind was trying to process everything that had happened that night. That is when it dawned on me that I really did not have to go to this extent just to make some friends, especially since all of them left as soon as things started getting hectic. After all this went down, not a single person stuck around with me. I was all alone, and I was scared, as I thought for sure that I was going to end up in jail by the end of that night. I also realized that once my dad found out, for the rest of my senior year, I wouldn't be able to do anything ever again, probably until I moved out and went to college. After sitting there for about half an hour, the CSI agent that was taking pictures inside came out and informed the officer that he had everything he needed and he got back into his SUV and took off. The police officer came over to me and told me that they had everything they needed and that the situation had seemed under control enough for them to leave. I shyly asked the officer if they were going to have to call my parents and let them know what happened. The officer replied, No, you're an adult. I'll let you handle telling them if you want to. And just like that, he got back into his car and took off. A wave of relief washed over me, and I was starting to think that maybe I could actually get away with all this. I decided to go back inside the house and assess all the damages now that everyone had left the party. When I got inside, I stood there with shock as I observed what looked like a tornado had ripped through my entire house. There were drinks and trash laying around, 
and blood splattered everywhere. On the walls, on the chair, and especially all over the brand new carpet that had not even been put in more than maybe just two weeks ago. Upon further examination, I noticed that my dad's gaming system that I had brought out of his room earlier that night had been stolen from the entertainment center by the TV in the living room. I looked around and saw that all the doors in the house were wide open, and I began to worry that maybe perhaps the house had been robbed when I wasn't paying attention. My heart sank. I knew that I was not going to be able to hide this from my dad, and that now I was definitely going to get caught and get in trouble. I continued to search the house to see if there was anything else that was missing, and was relieved to find out that everything else in the house seemed to be where it was supposed to be. By the time I started to clean the house, it was roughly 3 in the morning, as I began to pick up trash, white blood from the surface of the walls, and attempted to remove the bloodstains from the carpet. I was scrubbing with a hand towel and some water, and found that this was not helping at all. In fact, it was making it much worse. I called my friend Andrew to see if he could give me any advice on how to remove the stain. He asked me if I had tried cleaning it with hydrogen peroxide, which I had not. And after he told me to do that, I ran to the bathroom, found the bottle of hydrogen peroxide in the cabinet, and began pouring it all over the carpet. After I let it soak for a minute, I got the steam cleaner out of the closet and began to suck up the stain. To my surprise, the hydrogen peroxide actually worked. It were as if the hydrogen peroxide was Jesus in a bottle, the way it quickly sucked up the stain and removed it entirely from the carpet. In fact, the carpet somehow looked much cleaner than it ever had before. I started to become more and more relieved as the house started returning back to its normal clean state. As the weekend went on, and the house had now been entirely clean from the disaster that had happened that Friday night, I found myself on Sunday evening still looking for an excuse as to what I could tell my dad about why his gaming console was missing. As I continued to think, I decided to go with a little bit of a lie and tell my dad that I had a few friends over and they invited some random people that I had never met before. And somehow by the end of the night after everyone left, I came to realize that the gaming console was missing and presumed that one of the randoms had taken it. It wasn't a flawless law by any means, but I was hoping that it would be just enough to keep me out of as much trouble as possible. After I had got my fake story straight in my head, I called my dad and informed him of the thievery. As you could expect, he was quite upset and began to lecture me for all I was worth. He lectured me about having people over while they were gone and questioned me about how I could just let someone come into our house and take things without me knowing. Still angry, he told me that we would talk when he got home, and hung up without even saying goodbye. Monday evening rolled around. I had been waiting dreadfully in my living room, thinking about how many push-ups I was going to have to do when my dad got home. When he finally arrived, he walked right into the house, and without even looking at or saying a word to me, he headed straight for the kitchen. A few moments later, he returned from the kitchen and approached me and asked me where his bottle of liquor was. I was shocked as I didn't even think about checking if any of my dad's booze had been taken from the party. I told him that I had no idea what happened to it and suggested that maybe it had also been taken with the gaming system by the randos. 
My dad is a smart man, and quickly he started to realize that my whole story was just not adding up. Come with me, he said, as he walked us both out to the front porch. Once on the porch, he pulled up two chairs, reached into his back pocket, pulled out and lit a cigarette, and told me to sit down. Now tell me everything that happened this weekend. Instead of trying to lie my way out of this one, I decided to spill everything in its full truth. I told him about the giant party that I had thrown and how it got way too out of control. I told him about the guy who got hit in the head with a chair and how I had to call the police on my own party and how they had to take the man away in an ambulance. I told him about the CSI agent and all the blood that was all on the carpets and the walls. And I told him that if anything was missing from the house, it was because I had no way to track down who was coming in and out. Basically, I had just spilled it all in full detail, and by the time I had finished, my dad ashed off his last cigarette and sighed deeply. I'm not even going to punish you, my dad said. You handled a bad situation like a man and were even brave enough to call the police on your own party. You cleaned the house spotless, and I can tell you really regret the whole ordeal. I'm not mad at you, but I am very disappointed. I was relieved to find out that I was mostly off the hook, and wouldn't be grounded for life, but I was still very upset that I so deeply disappointed my father. What about the gaming system? I asked. My dad scoffed and told me that he wasn't mad about it, as it could be replaced, and in a few short weeks, he eventually did replace it. I'm just happy that no one died or ended up in jail as a result of that night, my father said. After all was said and done, he gave me a hug, and we headed back into my ultra-clean house and sat down for dinner. The school year continued, and I began to realize that my football teammates weren't really that great of friends after all. But that was just fine with me. Eventually I made great friends on the wrestling team, who actually cared about me as a person, and not just about the parties that I threw. From this whole situation, I learned that it is never a good idea to just do things to gain the acceptance from others. You only ever really have yourself in this life, and at the end of the day, when bad things go down, it is only yourself who you can rely on. It is pointless to live a life trying to please others, because the ones who really matter won't need to be pleased by you. They will just take you for who you are. So just be yourself and do things for you, and everything else will fall in line. If you liked what you heard today, please subscribe, review, or tell an anxious friend in need about this podcast. You can also follow along on Instagram at AIWPodcast and on Twitter at AIWPodcast underscore. And I will be sure to link those two tags in the description of this episode. And remember, even in life's dreariest moments, oftentimes at the end of the day, all is well. See you next week.